Put this message into your hands, Lord. May I have nothing to say and only you speak through me. Fill my mouth with your words and your oracles as if though you, God, were speaking directly through me. And I just lay aside myself right now, Lord, and just open our hearts and speak to us today through the word of the living God. Amen. Favoritism and partiality. Favoritism and partiality must stop in the church. Amen. We got, and, and I was studying this and I was reading it and meditating on it and I was convicted because sometimes we don't realize our own selves. We have to do a self-examination of our own life at times and look at our own life and our own heart, amen? And realize that sometimes we need correction. We need a wake-up call sometimes. And we need to learn to be a church here at Gentle Shepherd. I can't say the church down the road or the church across the street or in another county. I'm just saying our church here today. We need to be a church where there's not favoritism or partiality. Because the Lord is not that way. He is merciful and kind and gracious and, and desires that all be saved. He is not partial one to another. Amen. God wants that same heartbeat and that spirit in you and I. Say this with me. I am now under the law of liberty, which is in Jesus Christ. We have the law of liberty now operating in our life as a church, as believers. Number one, it is the standard, the law of liberty, it's the standard of divine love. The law of liberty is the standard that you and I should live by and operate our lives by. The standard that we set is the law of liberty, where we are walking in love. The scripture says, walk in love, walk in divine love. Not the love of the world and the way the world has. That's all ooshy-gooshy, nice-feeling kind of love. And it's more love where you, just, you say it, but you don't show it. You say it and you word it with your mouth, but you don't do it in deed and in truth. But as believers, we walk in divine love with deed and in truth. Amen? It's more than just saying, I love you. You go the extra mile for people. Is Betty okay? Yeah. Betty all right? Yeah. All right, Betty. How many love her? Amen. How can you not love Betty? Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. How many of you believe that today in our life, in our world, in our culture right now today, that there's a lot of favoritism and partiality and racism going on? Come on. It's based on skin color of all things. My skin color is in this in winter. I mean, it's, that is just a lie and a trap of the enemy. It's a way to bring dissension and division on the earth. The devil hates unity. He hates it when a church or a community or a city or a nation has unity in it. He loves to bring division and divide. And usually it starts with pride, the love of money and power. They want to have control and therefore it causes division because... What happens? Favoritism and partiality. Don't doubt for a minute. Don't doubt for one minute that our nation is not divided. It is completely divided right now in a bad way. It's, a, it's going in a, in a wrong direction. And don't doubt for a minute that politicians will say one thing and do another thing. It's just the way it is. Because we have, and I'm not going to say which side, but there's a part of the politics right now that literally they hate Christianity. They hate the church. They hate anything to do with this. Now, they, in a religious way, will say, God bless you. Oh, my prayers and thoughts go out to the family. How many get sick of hearing that? Come on. Pray and be a true believer. We are not of the world. We don't just have superficial love in our heart to make ourselves look religious. We want to have true love in our heart from the Word of God being in our heart so that we really live and act the way Christ would live and act. And that is without favoritism and partiality. We don't, so, we don't show favor if somebody walks in here. If Mayor McNamara walked in right now, you shouldn't like leap out of your chair and go shake his hand because he's the mayor of Rockford. 
and then uh, somebody comes off 11th Street that's filthy and dirty and has a little bit of booze or, or cigarette smell on them, and you don't give them the day, time of day. That is flat out wrong. I'm sorry. All you have to do is read the Bible. And let's go right to the scripture, Matt, right now. Sit. I want you to get that picture in your head. How would you react if somebody important, prominent, walked in before the service? Would you make an effort to go out of your way to, to show them, be, uh, you know, be cordial with them or be kind to them or shake their hand or go up and meet them? But most of the time, the intention and the motive, Joni, isn't it? It's wrong. Most of the time, it's so that you can get recognized. Come on now, I'm stepping on some toes here. If somebody famous that's in the ministry, if Joyce Meyer all of a sudden says to her husband, hey, we're in the Rockford area, let's just surprise a church today. And all of a sudden, Joyce Meyer and her husband walk in. How many would just leap and just want to just almost worship the ground she walked on? We shouldn't be that way. And then somebody else walks in that's from off the street, and you don't even show them any love or anything. You don't even ask them if they need prayer. Because you're always afraid, well, they just want my money and they just want more booze. That needs to go out the door too, that attitude. Amen. Hello? Don't think you don't have an addiction. I don't, I'm looking at everybody in here and I'm looking at myself. There's not one person in here that doesn't have an addiction. So don't be judging and being partial in, in that with others that have addictions and habits. Amen now. I'm saying truth here. James 2, 1 through 13. Look at what it says. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. That's not a good thing is what James is saying. If you read the book of James, it steps on your toes probably more than any book. Amen. It does, because it, I could go on to the next chapter, chapter 3, and it starts going on about this thing, the tongue. That's Listen, the tongue that's untamable. It's not tameable. It's untamable. So you want to get your toes stepped on and get pricked in your spirit by the Holy Ghost, read the book of James. And remember what the Spirit said. The, the Scripture said this. The Holy Spirit came to do what? To bring butterflies in your stomach and goosebumps? No, he came to convict us of our sin. Why? So that God can say, shame on you. I told you if you did that, this would happen. I can't believe you lived that way. I'm going to convict. No, he does it because of love. He brings conviction to draw us where? Away from the devil and to God. That's why the conviction is there. Amen? How many want your children or grandchildren to keep doing wrong? No, you want them to do right. If they do wrong, do you want them to feel wrong? Do you want them to know it's wrong? When they do something that they shouldn't be, you want them to feel that way. Amen. That's what God is to us. For if there should come into your assembly, or gentle shepherd, a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes off 11th Street, and, pay, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, you sit here. Oh, come over here, man. You're, you're dressed nice. You got, you, you're successful. You got, looks like you've done well. You own your own business or something? Come over here. You got this seat right here. And you give him the front seat. Don't think that doesn't happen, folks. It does. And let me tell you something. I'm not being critical or judgmental, but the bigger the church, the easier it is to do it. Because that, the, when the bigger the churches are and the big and flourishing churches draws what? Moolah. It does. It draws money and those that have money and they want attention. They want to be recognized. And it's wrong what the scripture is saying for the believer, us, you and I, common man, for us to show partiality because somebody famous or well-known or somebody that looks successful, you show them a little bit more of attention. That's not Christ-like. Because look what it says. And then you got a poor man that walks in at the same moment with filthy clothes and probably hasn't showered and smells, what's the human nature and our tendency in the flesh to do? Criticize and judge and be uh, avoid them. And I wrote this in my notes, and we've all heard this saying. Don't judge a book by its cover. Amen? Do not judge a book by its cover. I was already forewarned that this funeral that's coming up in a couple hours here I was already let, had known that there's going to be a lot of sinners here. 
A lot of people that don't know God, they don't go to church, they don't live the life, and you know what? I welcome that because if they're coming to this church, I know the presence of God will touch their heart. Amen. And we have to learn to be a people. I said learn to be because we still, I myself included, we tend to judge people by what they look like. It's our first instinct to judge people by what they look like or how they talk or what they drive. It's just foolish how we are. And the people that might, might be coming today are actually from a pretty rough group called the Hells Angels might be at this funeral today. Now, a lot of Christians will look at that and judge and they'll criticize and they'll be, you know, they'll be offish to it. We should not. We should say, you know what? They're no different than me. That Hells Angel guy put his pants on one leg at a time just like I did today. I'm no better than him because I know the Lord. Hallelujah! I'm no better than a hell's angel just because he may not be living the life. No, we need to learn not to show favoritism or partiality towards people and judge people because of what they look like or what you want them to look like or the way you want them to live or act. Hello, look at your neighbor and say, this is for me. This is for me. This is for me too. Trust me, it's for me as well. Because we tend to get that way. I see it when I go to the pastor's conferences. I, I don't even know if, I didn't want to say this, but it's true. That you go to these big, large conferences, and, and people are human. Pastors are human. They want attention. I can see it. They, they want to give recognition to the one that's very well known, or the one that has the larger church, the ones that have, you know, the larger church of 1,500 to 2,000 members or 5,000 members or 10,000 members, they get a lot more prestige and attention. They're the guest speaker. They're not the guy at the little church. He doesn't get recognized. But you know what? So what? Don't get offended by it. But don't be that way. Pastors should never be that way with each other either showing partiality and favoritism towards others just because they have success in a ministry or because, you know, one pastor has a $500 suit on and another pastor is in his blue jeans and T-shirt. You know, we, we judge by what we see too much. It's wrong. And the scripture even says it. And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes. You sit here in, in this nice place here and say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit here at my footstool. What does that mean? Sit here at my footstool. In other words, I'm above you. You've obviously failed in life. You're struggling. You, you haven't probably showered in a week or two. And let alone, you probably, when's the last time you washed your clothes? That's the attitude that, that you don't speak it, but it's up here. And who sees it? God does. And we're all guilty of it. Don't think you're not. I know we all are. We all tend to do it at times. We do. And we'd be, all be liars here if we said we didn't. And we need to stop. That's why I said in my title, favoritism and partiality must stop. It needs to stop here at General Shepherd so that you and I can be the example of a church where we don't show favoritism and partiality. Because there may come a day, there may come a day sooner than we realize where somebody like a Mayor McNamara comes in here. Somebody that comes in here that's famous or well-known. Are you going to show them more attention and give them favor or partiality because of who they are? And we may have more people coming off the street in here. Are you going to ignore them? Or are you going to show them the love of God at equal balance? Amen. Amen. Equal. And that's what the Lord loves to see a person be like. If you're a true Christian, be that way. I can't help you to be that way. It's a decision you and I have to make in our hearts. Today we have to decide, I'm going to not be that way. I'm not going to judge a book by its cover. I'm not going to judge people by what they look like. I've heard this said before. We need to learn to value the differences in other people. Instead of making them want them to be the way we want them to be, and we can be that way, especially with our spouses. Husband and wives tend to be that way a lot. We want them to change. We can't believe they're still the same way. Why, you know, what's go, you know, well, you married them that way. You know what I mean? You can't judge a book by its cover. In other words, you can't change nobody. You can't change a person. They are who they are. It's up to them to make the changes. You love them for who they are. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You love them for who they are, and you value the differences in each child 
that you have, each grandchild that you have or will have, and you value the differences in them. Joni, let me ask you something. We were at your house the other day. You got two dogs. One is completely opposite of the other. Totally different. That's the same way with people. Grace and Hope, my twin daughters, are, are different. I don't show partiality. I try my best as a father not to show favoritism. I go so far to the extent of this. If I'm on Messenger, which I'm not very often, and I send Grace a message, I feel it's important that I send Hope a message and Amber a message because they see, well, Dad's just favoring Hope or favoring Grace. It's very important. How do I know that they really don't know that? It's human nature. We don't want to be having somebody be more favored than us. Come on now. You, got, you show them more love and more favor than you do me. Nah, nah, nah. You know, you hear families do that all the time. Kids do that a lot. And it doesn't matter their age. We're talking 20s, 30s, and 40s. They're still that way. Hello? And it's called human nature because we all want to be loved and accepted for what? For who we are and the way we are. Amen? So you got to go the extra mile. I mean, how do I know that's true? I stop at Domino's Pizza where Gracie's working last week. I know I'm a little late on this. I gave them birthday cards and their birthday was June 5th. I know, it's called procrastination. That's, but it's a thought that counts. And I hand Gracie Hope's card as well. Now, Hope's card is about this big and this long, and Gracie's was a little smaller. She goes, well, how come Gracie's got the bigger card? <laughs> See what I mean? See what I'm saying? It's the same way in the church. Well, how come they show him favoritism or her favoritism? Because she has money and she's dressed nice? or because she's well-known, or she's likable, but you don't show it to somebody else. And trust me, guys, I believe this with all my heart. I really believe this right now. There's going to come a test for each one of us. Not just me, but you as well. There's coming a test after this message now. We are going to be tested as a church, and individually, when you're out and about doing your thing during the week, God's going to test you, and he's going to test me. How are you going to treat those that are not, most people don't want to give the time of day to? Because the Bible says in Matthew 25, it says this, that Jesus said he's going to separate the sheep from the goats, and then it goes on to say, well, how are you going to do that? He says, because I see what you do as a person, as a church. And he's saying this, um, by the way, I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and you didn't come visit me. And they say to the Lord, when was that? When you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. In other words, Jesus' whole reason, I believe, for that parable was this. Stop judging people for what they look like and how you want them to be and showing favoritism and partiality to mankind. Be even keel with everybody. Everybody's the same in God's eyes. Everybody is created equal. Everybody is, has no partiality with God. He wants everybody blessed merciful, kind, shown that to, by God, and he wants everybody in heaven with him. He doesn't want to leave anybody out. And that's called unconditional love. Amen. And that's the type of people you and I need to be. We may not be there right now today. I'm asking you, and I'm asking myself, let's step it up. Let's go a little further here with our, in our own personal life and as a church. Let's step up the game plan here a little bit. Can we do that, you guys? Can we step it up a little and go the extra mile and say, you know what, we are not going to be that way. I don't want to be that way. I, I don't want to show partiality or favoritism to people. That's wrong. In other words, go the extra mile and go above and beyond and show God that you really mean business and go out of your way to somebody that's unlovable this week and show them the love of Jesus Christ and see what happens. Amen? A lot of times this will happen, and I'm, I know some of you have done it, you go out of your way to show somebody like that love, and what happens? A tear comes down their eye. And their eyes get all watery because they feel and they know that you're a Christian and that you have the Holy Spirit in you and that you're full of God's love. And they sense it and they feel it and they're moved by it. And you know what? What's more important than all that is your Father in Heaven sees everything you're doing and the good works and the good deeds that you're doing with the right motive now, the right intention and the right motive, not for self-glory or recognition. Because most people, I'll be honest with you, most people don't care what you're doing, in, you know, 
but God cares. And he will reward you the way you treat people. Amen? We want to treat others with no partiality. Amen? Don't judge a book by its cover. We've got to get to a place where we learn to look at people and see people the way God sees them. Can I, can I ask you something this week? I'm not asking a lot, but I'm asking this. And I, and I want to do the same thing, and I've been doing this for a couple years, and I'm asking you to do this. And a simple prayer this week. Will you say it, Amiras, this week? Will you do it? Amen? I've got to sit down a minute. My back's a little sore. Will you do this this week? Okay, and I'm asking you to do it, and I'm asking everybody else and myself to do it, okay? This is the prayer. Father, help me to see people the way you do. Forgive me for judging others by wanting them to be what I want. Help me, God, to love people unconditionally. Amen. So we want to get to a place where we pray that way and say, God, help me to see people the way you do and to value who they are and where they're from and what they're from and who they are no matter what, not the way you want them to be. And I'll be tested in about an hour with that. Trust me, I will be. I'm, tr I'm tested that way when I go to my family reunions or whenever I'm with my cousins and aunts. They're from very rough backgrounds. My family, my mom's side, is the Hell's Angels types. And I've always been the, the one that's got, you know, the Christian, and he's a Bible thumper, and he's a, he's a religious freak. So it makes you feel uncomfortable in those settings, but I've always made it my purpose. I don't show partiality to them. They're just lost needing a Savior. That's the way you need to see people. They're lost needing a Savior. Don't look at the outside if they're grudgy looking or smell or whatever. That's wrong. Amen? Look at their heart and the value that they have. Amen? Even prostitutes on 11th Street. Hello? We, the street's full of them. We should be driving by instead of judging and saying little negative critical things about them. We should be saying they were somebody's little daughter at one time. That girl right there was a little girl, five, six years old, one time with her mommy and daddy, and now she's lost. Have mercy on them. Don't judge them. Be kind and merciful and pray for people that are that way. Amen? Does it mean that you hang with them? Nope, you don't, especially if you're a man. Especially if you're a man, you've got to use wisdom and prudence. You've got to be cautious. And the Bible's very clear. If you hang with those that are ungodly and consistently hang with those that are of the world, you will be corrupted. Not them, you. Amen. And the key here, here's the key for you and I, and I'm going to end it on this. Jesus said there's two great commandments. One is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the Bible says this in Mark. It says the second is like it. Listen now. Jesus gave us the greatest commandment, and then he said the second is like it. In other words, he's saying if you get the first, you'll do the second. He said it's just like it. The second one is very similar, almost identical to the first. You love God with all your heart, soul, your mind, and all your strength. And then the second one is this. You love your neighbor just as you love yourself. And if you got these two, you got it. If you got those two, you got it. Why? Because it's all about love. It's do you love God and do you love your neighbor as you love yourself? If you love Instead of hate, if you love, that means you're forgiving. If you love, that means you're patient. If you love, that means you don't keep a record of wrong. Hallelujah. Hello. Love keeps no record of wrongs done. It doesn't mean just husband and wife. It means somebody in the church. You don't keep a record of wrongs done by you or what you think somebody's done or is doing. Stop doing that. That's not love. You pray for them. What? What do you pray for? That they get goosebumps? You pray they're convicted and repent. If you love somebody enough, you want them to be convicted and repent and turn from that. I don't want to just say to my children, you shouldn't do that. I want to say, don't do that because I want the best life for you. I want to see you peaceful and joyful and happy. I love you. I don't, don't do that. That's what, that's what we should be to others. 
not in a judging way, but in a say, you know what, Lord, I pray that they repent so that they can be filled with joy and peace. Amen? Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Hallelujah, Jesus. Now, how many felt the presence of the Lord just now? How many have been convicted? How many feel peace that you're going to make a change in your life? Amen? We all need it. Honestly, we really do. Is God good? All the time. Is God faithful? Is he really faithful? You know what? God is good and he is faithful. If you cry out to the Lord for his help and his guidance and his mercy, he hears you. He will hear you in this regards to this message. You ask God to help you to change, to change, to change, to make a difference, to make a turnaround with being favorite and partial towards people and judging people by what they look like. Amen? Hallelujah. Now here's the real key. Pastor Matt didn't get this message till 5.30 this morning. I went to bed. I could not get, I said, Lord, I am not just writing. I'm not going to have a message just because I need to do it. I'm going to bed. I'm asking you to speak to me during the night when I'm sleeping. I'm going to wake up and I'm asking you, God, when I come back to this table and sit down, that you're going to give me a message. And it came that quick. So I know that the Lord has ministered to you today and spoke to you. Amen. Now look at your neighbor and say, I like the way you look. <laughs> Amen. Isn't God good? Here, we have to train up the next generation. Glory to Jesus. I was in that doctor's office with Sammy's brother, and I always notice things when I go into buildings and offices, and I like looking at pictures and things. And he had on a, he had a long picture. I was sitting there and waiting, waiting for the doctor to come in, and he had a picture, and it was words, and it said, a hundred years from now, it does not matter what kind of car you drive. A hundred years from now, it does not matter what kind of house you live in. A hundred years from now, it doesn't matter what kind of clothes you're wearing. A hundred years from now, it doesn't matter what's in your bank account. But then it said, but what really matters a hundred years from now is if you touch the life of a little child because you impacted them while you were here. And you may be long and gone a hundred years from now, but a little child may remember how you lived your life. Amen. That's very true. That's why it's very important that we pray for our children. We are making an influence on them. Amen. We really, truly are. It's an honor to have them and to minister life to them and through the Word of God. Amen. How many want to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might? Amen. Amen. I wrote this down. A doctor, a doctor that you and I go to, how many have been to a doctor and the doctor says this or tells us this? When we feel a little weak, you feel a little weak, you just don't feel right, you don't have the strength that you normally had, maybe it's either like the flu-like symptoms or is there something going on and you feel weaker than normal and the doctor says to us, you need your rest. You need your rest to what? To get your strength back. Doesn't that make sense? He's, he'll, he'll give you advice as a doctor. I'm sure Dr. Eric Peniman says it all the time. You need your rest. You need your rest. You need your rest. When we go to the hospital and visit somebody in the hospital, or if you were in the hospital, are you sitting in a chair? If you're there for a few days, do you sit in a chair? You're laying in a bed. Why? We need our rest. They don't have you on a treadmill. They have you laying there so you can get what? Better. How many want to get better spiritually? How many believe that the Lord says this? He says to you and I, are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Are you burdened down because of your life and the circumstances and just life in general? Are you weary and heavy laden and burdened? Come unto me and I will give you rest. Why? Why would the Lord want to give us rest when we're weary and heavy laden? Because we need strength. Amen. Just like the doctor says, you need your rest so that you can get stronger. The Lord says, rest in me and you will be strengthened. No wonder he said, wait on me. When you wait, you get stronger. Amen? Sometimes we need that. Be strong in the Lord. 
And one area, before I get into the scriptures, one area that you and I can get strong in the Lord is by getting solitude time alone with the Lord. You and I, we get solitude and we reflect and we become a little bit harder on ourselves when we get solitude and we become more tender and patient with others when we get solitude with the Lord. He works on us inside and we may be a little hard and God may be a little bit more hard on us because discipline, he loves us and he disciplines us and then it makes us more tender, loving, patient and kind towards others as we get solitude. That is one way we get strong. Let's go right in the scriptures in the word of God. I want us to see how we can get strong in the Lord. Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. That is something personal here for you and I. It doesn't say the Lord is our light. He said the Lord is my light and my salvation. It's personal. He is the light that you need every day. Jesus says, I am the light of life and you should be the light sitting on a hill and shining out. Amen. It says in the scriptures that Jesus wants you and I to seek the light so that we can be sons of the light. Light reveals darkness. Darkness will be exposed and the light penetrates. Amen. And it changes us and conforms us and molds us and shapes us. Does anybody remember what Pastor Judy taught on last week? Amen. G-R-A-C-E. Grace. Grace. And I didn't hear the message. I kind of seen your notes though, Pastor Judy. You left them up here. Me and Dwayne looked at them here a little bit. But one of, the, one of the things that she wrote down in the scripture in Corinthians, obviously we remember that Paul was told by the Lord after saying three times, Lord, when are you going to remove this? When are you going to do this? When are you going to take care of this? My grace is sufficient for you because my grace gives you strength. Hallelujah. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, God's grace gives us strength. Amen. And we need to wait on the Lord and seek Him because He's our light and our salvation. Salvation doesn't mean He just saves you from going to hell and being tormented day and night. That's for the unbeliever. He is our salvation to save us from ourselves, from all that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy from us. You have an adversary, I have an adversary. He doesn't let up on you as a believer. He doesn't say, well, I'll just let them go and have their own way next week. They'll be fine. I'm not going to mess with brother so-and-so or this, this person. I can mention you by name or mention me by name. But the devil never sleeps either. He continually is trying to destroy and wreak havoc in your life. He's an adversary. He's an enemy. But who gives you triumph and victory over all your enemies? The Lord Jesus Christ gives you victory and triumph. Amen. And we want to remember that because this is a season in Lent where we're remembering what the Lord did at the cross. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Why would that be in there when he's saying about the Lord is my light and my salvation? Whom shall I fear? Because the psalmist knew that if you and I get wrapped up and caught up in our fear and the fear that is before us and fear of man, fear of circumstances, fear of the future, fear of rejection, fear of whatever your fear might be, which can become small, and then if you meditate on that fear, it literally becomes a mountain. Whom shall you fear? You don't have to fear. We live in faith and we trust the Lord. Amen? He, his grace is sufficient. Just like was taught last week, we remember that the Lord doesn't slumber and sleep. 24-7, round the clock, His eye is on you. Even as you're sleeping, He's ministering and do, doing things in your life spiritually, even while you sleep. If we have one-third of our life in bed sleeping, do you think the Lord thinks that's not important? One-third of your life is in bed with your eyes closed? The Lord is ministering to you and I constantly. Amen. He's the strength of my life. Look at that. The Lord is the strength of my life. To be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, you and I need the strength of the Lord. Amen. How many here wish you had a little bit more physical strength? How do you get physical strength? If you are weak and you have an infirmity or something happens with your ankle or your knee or your leg or your hip or your back, 
your shoulder. How do you get strength back? First you rest. Then you exercise. You move. You do something. If you lay in bed for months and months and months, the doctors say every month you lay in bed, you need three more months just to recover from that month you laid in bed. We have to stay moving. It's the same thing. The Lord is the strength of our life. In Him, you and I live and move and have our being in the Lord. He is the strength of our life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We don't have to fear man. We don't have to fear the devil. We don't have to fear all his demons, his lies, all his onslaught against those that stand up for the Lord and for truth. We don't have to be afraid of the devil. We kick him out and say, I resist you, I rebuke you, I take authority over you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get behind me, Satan, I'm living for the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Wait on the Lord, Psalm 27, wait on the Lord. Remember what I just said, you know, when the doctor says to us, you need your rest, you need your rest, wait here. Just rest, get your strength back. The Lord would say to us, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall what? Strengthen your heart spiritually. You wait, you rest in the Lord, you trust him, you put your hope in him, your faith in him, and he strengthens you. He strengthens your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Why does he repeat that? Wait on the, Because he knows that people in general, it's called human nature, mankind, we don't want to wait. We don't like to wait. We want, we're not typically patient. We want things quickly, get things done. And if we're praying for somebody else, interceding for a child or a grandchild or someone we love and know, we want things to turn around quickly because our patience. But we wait on the Lord and be of good courage. As you wait on the Lord, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, spiritually now. You wait on the Lord and out of nowhere, spiritually, inside of you, courage comes rising up. I'm going to be strong in the... No, I am not giving up. I am not quitting. No, I'm going to continue to seek the Lord in this. I am going to fight the good fight of faith. I will endure and continue until the, my last breath on this earth. I am going to live for the Lord and be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I will wait on the Lord because He is faithful. I can trust my God. He will strengthen me. He is the strength of my life. Amen? Amen. He really is. And He will strengthen you physically. Amen. Raise your hand right now if you need physical strength. We all should raise our hands. Amen. Just look around you. The pharmaceutical industry doesn't even make millions of dollars. It doesn't even make billions of dollars on a yearly basis. The pharmaceutical industry makes trillions of dollars. They are... America, I'm just saying our country alone, obviously there's many other countries, but America loves pharmacy. We love our pills and taking that. But the, I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with that if you need that and you use it with wisdom. Amen? Hallelujah. How many believe it's good to get a second opinion? Amen. How many of you believe there is no second God to go to to get another opinion? You go to the Lord God Almighty and He'll give you His opinion and it's in this Word. It's in His Word. Amen. Amen. You get the Lord's opinion and His advice and His counsel and His wisdom and He'll show you how to be strong physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Amen. And that's one step that we need is to wait on the Lord. I say wait on the Lord and good, be of good courage. When you don't have courage, do you feel like going on in life? You don't want to go on in life if you don't. You've got to have courage. It takes courage to get going and to keep moving. Amen? Hallelujah. The Lord is good. He's the strength of our life. Look at Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. How many different verses have we seen here? The key word is what? Strength. The Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord shall strengthen my heart. Psalm 28. The Lord is my strength. Look at again what it says. He doesn't say our strength, but He is our strength. But this is a personal thing. You're in a personal walk and love relationship with your Creator. And the psalmist is saying, the Lord is my strength. And my, can I be your strength, Pastor Judy? As much as I love Pastor Judy or love my wife, Diana, I can't be her strength. 
You have to be strong in the Lord and in trust in the Lord on an individual, personal basis. How strong you are in the Lord depends on you and your will and your desire to want to do what God's called you to do and live the way He's called you to live. Amen. I can't live my, your life for you. You can't live your life for me. You know, we have to make a decision that I am going to be strong in the Lord God Almighty. I am going to be not a wimpy Christian, not a compromising Christian, not a wishy-washy Christian, not a Christian full of fear, but I'm going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I'm going to be strong in faith, full of love, and I'm going to continue until I breathe my last breath. That's the kind of Christian you and I should be. We are in, an, we are in a battle and in a war every single day. You and I don't have an option. You and I are in a war. We are soldiers, and we got to be strong in the Lord and be full of courage. Amen? Let's go to the next slide. I want to continue here. Psalm 37, look at this. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. How, how come it's from the Lord? Because your righteousness and my righteousness isn't in works. We're not saved by works. Our works are as what? Filthy rags. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is our light and our salvation. Amen. Amen. That's because he's our righteousness. He is their what? Strength. In the time of trouble. How many of you ever needed strength when things were going good? I wrote this down in my notes. It says this. Strength is not measured in good times, but in bad. Strength in your life spiritually. Now, I'm not talking physically here. I'm talking spiritually now. For you and I to show how strong you are in the Lord, it's not measured when everything is good. You, people will know how strong you and I are in the Lord in times when it's not so good. It could be physical ailment. It could be a financial struggle. It could be emotional. It could be a family issue going on. It could be something spiritually, a battle you're fighting, you're wrestling with. But the strength of you and I is measured in bad times, in difficult times, in times when circumstances aren't in your favor. The strength of a man is determined... Listen, the strength of a man is determined in times of adversity, in times of difficulty. Amen? You stick with it. You get your feet in the mud and you grunt and you say, no, I am going to continue on. I'm not going to quit and give up. Amen? And in this, your strength, all of a sudden the Lord strengthens you. He encourages you as you wait on him. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, don't be wimpy. Amen. We're not wimpy. We want to be strong in the Lord. Amen. How many believe that the Patriots are... Paul, I can't believe he's a Patriots fan. Ah, Lord, Lord. Amen. But the Patriots football team, do you think they get to the Super Bowl, what is it, nine years out of ten or something? Do you think they get to the Super Bowl all the time because they're wimpy athletes and the coaches just kind of like, well, you know. No. You, get, you do your job. If you don't do your job, this guy's going to take your job. You either do your job or there you go. You get your job done. What we signed you to do and we're paying you to do, you better do your job and get it done. It's called, you, it's called, you want to be successful? You want success? You want to get your team to the final game, which is the Super Bowl? Then it doesn't come easy. It comes with a fight. It comes with diligence and patience and waiting, and strength. That's how you and I are spiritually. You want to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might? You want to be remembered and known by others around you and your children and those that you live with and those that you communicate with and are around? Do you want to be remembered and known as somebody that's strong in the Lord? you got to continue and fight that fight. It is an individual thing where you realize that He is my strength. He is the strength of my heart and the strength of my life. The scripture even says this, my heart and my flesh may fail, but the Lord is the strength of both of them. Amen. He quickens you. Say that with me. He quickens you. The psalmist David said, Lord, quicken me, which means make alive. How many believe that when the Lord breathes, the Lord speaks, the Lord stretches His hand. The Lord releases an angel from heaven. How many believe that it's strength coming from heaven for you and I? Amen? Amen? And that's why King David, I believe he said, Lord, strengthen me, quicken me, 
according to your word by your spirit in my inner man. Strengthen me and quicken me. That's how I pray often. Often I pray, Lord, quicken me and strengthen me, my mortal body. Strengthen me. I'm not 25 anymore. I'm almost 60. Lord, strengthen me, quicken me, because you created me, and I want to be strong so I can continue to do the work of the ministry and do the work that God's called you to do. Amen? If you have an infirmity, continue to speak it out. Lord, strengthen me. Strengthen that infirmity. Strengthen where it's weak. Strengthen me, Lord God. Strengthen these bones. Quicken me that I might be strong in you physically and quicken me in my inner man that I would be strong in the Lord, strong in the power of his might. How many, how many believe that if you're strong in the Lord, people will be drawn to you? They'll want to know what it is different about you, what it is that they want you to pray for them. They want to be near you. They want to be around you because they feel the strength of the Lord because most unbelievers are weak, not physically, but spiritually. They're hungry. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for hope. And if you're strong in the Lord, they'll be drawn like a magnet to you because of the strength that you have in the Lord. Amen? I'll give you an example. When I was with Diana's uncle, Pete, in the car just Friday, two days ago. I can't believe it was two days ago. And I prayed, oh, Lord, I'm not going down here for anything. I want, a, I want a one-on-one appointment with this man. I want him to come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved and be born again. I'm asking you for an opportunity alone with this man. And I got one in the car on the way to the pharmacy, to the CVS pharmacy, and I was bold with him. But before I even said anything, I get to the corner of the intersection as we left his house, and he said, Matt, I have to be honest with you. He says, I feel like I don't see God, but he says, I feel like God is right here with me because you're next to me. He says, I can't explain it, but I feel God right now. And then that was my open door. That was my opportunity. Pete, you, you did not get a good diagnosis about an hour ago. It's time to get serious about God. It's time to forgive those that have wronged you and hurt you and let the hate, the anger go and forgive, forgive, forgive. You've been forgiven us so much. And he says, you're right. And I said, lift your hands right now. Don't worry about the people at the stoplight looking. And he lifted his hands. And he's, I led him right there in the sinner's prayer. And he got saved right there in the car. And then he prayed. And I said, lay your hands on your, your uh, infirmity. It's his prostate area. And I said, trust the Lord. He is your healer. He is your light and your salvation. He will heal you of all diseases and all infirmities. And I said, Pete, we're going to get ready to celebrate the time of Easter. He goes, yes, man. I said, what happened to Jesus? He got whipped 39 times on his back. The stripes on his back were not for anything else, then he put all diseases and sicknesses on himself so you and I don't have to have diseases and sicknesses. Amen? He is the Lord that heals all your diseases and sicknesses, who forgives all your iniquities and sins. The Lord put it all on himself. And the light went on Pete. The light went on. He goes, I see it. Hallelujah. I see it. I said, see, Pete, it's not, a, it's not a story to have at Easter. He did it for a reason, and he did it for you. Amen? Hallelujah. Is the Lord good? Is the Lord good? How many want to be strong in the Lord? Amen. How many feel the strength of God today coming inside of you? Can I be honest with you? Can I be honest with you? I have to say this because I want to be honest with you. When I first came in here today, I felt like there was a spirit of lethargy here. It was just, you know, just come on. Let's go. Amen. It's time to get... Ex We're living in the most exciting time on the earth as church, as a believer. You and I live in a time and an age that very few had an opportunity to live in. And you've got to get to a place where you and I are excited every day about the things of God, are looking forward, God, how can you use me today? What's, give me an opportunity today to lead someone to Christ, to pray with somebody. Lord, show me, Lord, take these feet where you want them to go on the earth. I don't want to just come and go here and there. I want a purpose in my life today. Amen. And that's what I want for you as your pastor, for you to be thrilled and excited and beyond. Con I mean, if you can get excited about watching something on TV, people go to these sporting events and they just cheer and roar. And the, I mean, literally the whole stadium pretty much shakes. 
We should be like that as believers in the midst of your trial and tribulation, in the midst of your difficulty, in the midst of your sadness and your brokenheartedness, in the midst of all your troubles and your trials that you're facing. You can say, hallelujah, what an opportunity for me to trust God and he is going to be my strength today. I am going to believe for God, amen, to do something in my life and use me for his glory and his honor, amen. How many believe that you're here for a reason today? Do you believe that? There's things that God wants to strengthen you and I in. He wants to strengthen us through our weakness. We are made strong through our weakness. Now that seems opposite of what the world says, because it is. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. God works in mysterious ways. His kingdom principles are not of the world. Amen? And so we get strength by becoming weak. Well, that doesn't sound right. When you and I are dead to self, you will be the strongest Christian you've ever been. When yourself gets in the way, you will not be a strong Christian. When yourself is gone and dead and on that altar and burned up, your selfish things, anything to do with self, then you will be strong and mighty and powerful in the Lord. Because strength comes in weakness. You get strong by becoming weak. Jesus didn't just say it. He meant what he said and said what he meant. He said, if you don't abide in the vine and, and you don't bear much fruit, you will be cut off and that branch is withered. Because apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. You need me. You need to be dependent on me completely as a human being if you want to do the will of your Father in heaven. So weakness, dead to self, dependence completely on God, and power comes in a life of prayer. You want to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, you and I have to be people of personal prayer time. We have to pray and seek the Lord. We just read it. You wait on the Lord. You wait on him. You trust him in your time of solitude. And he'll examine you. He'll search your heart. And you'll have more of a tenderness and a compassion and an understanding of those around you as you're changed by what he's doing on the inside of you. Amen? As you wait on the Lord, you get strength. Through a life of prayer, you're saying to God, you know what, I can't live this life without you. I need you, Lord, every moment of every day. Let alone spiritually, how many need the Lord just physically? Amen. How many find it difficult sometimes to even get up and go on in a day because of the physical ailment, the physical infirmities? I know. Amen. So we need the Lord moment by moment, and it comes through a life of prayer. And another way that we get the strength of the Lord is in what the Scripture says. Go to, I believe I gave you this one. Go ahead with... Right there. Look at the bottom Scripture. Proverbs 24, 5. Look at this, folks. A wise man or woman is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. How many believe that in the natural realm as well as the spiritual realm? There's something very powerful when a person has knowledge of something. They have strength. They have favor. They have what we call a little bit of an edge over somebody that doesn't have the knowledge. Amen? The, the two scientists that discovered possibly the cure for cancer, they had a little edge because they kept on, they kept on and searching and researching and diligent and diligent, and finally they found what they were looking for. They had that little edge because of knowledge. You and I need the knowledge of the Lord of the Most Holy One, the Most High God. We grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. When we have knowledge of the Holy One and knowledge of the Scriptures, it gives you strength. Look at it. It says, yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. If you and I are lacking in knowledge of God's Word, knowledge of His will, knowledge of His truth, you're going to lack in strength. Strength comes in waiting, prayer, and growing in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is, you've got to get in this book and grow. Knowledge comes. Now listen, Paul said this very importantly. This is very crucial for us to get. Knowledge 
that the world wants and the world seeks after puffs up. It puffs up. It brings boastfulness, arrogance, haughtiness, vanity, pride. That's not the kind of knowledge we want. We want knowledge that brings wisdom, understanding, discernment, which leads to humility and understanding and patience and kindness and goodness because you have knowledge the Lord reveals to you things. Amen? Does that make sense? Hallelujah. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Strength is not measured in good times, but in bad. Christ, when he went to the cross, it looked like he was really weak. The devil thought he had him. Hallelujah. How many believe that Jesus knew that he may have to suffer and go to the cross for you and I? and be beaten and bruised and whipped and spit on and beard plucked out and, and all kinds of horrible things done to him. And it made him look like he was weak. But Jesus Christ has never been weak. He is the strongest man that ever lived. Hallelujah. Because he was strong in the Lord. He was strong and he purposed to go to the cross because it was the will of God and he did it with great joy even though with the eyes of a man or a woman physically looking at him he looked weak but in God the father's eyes he said well done you did exactly what I asked it may look like you're weak son but you're not you are going to triumph you are going down for three days and you're coming up resurrected with victory and triumph and strength and when the Lord comes back again he's coming back in power and might and strength and he's coming for a strong church not a weak one, a strong church who's strong in the Lord, strong in the power of His might, strong in faith, strong in love. He's coming for a church that is ready and strong and able to conquer and to overcome and to continue and to fight that good fight. So you don't quit. Don't you give up physically, spiritually, emotionally, you take authority that God has given you and the victory is yours because of what he did for you and I. Amen. You must be strong in the Lord even more now today than even yesterday. We live in a day and an age where you cannot be wishy-washy. You got to be strong in God. Wait on him. Seek his face. Get in his word and you will be strengthened and you will have courage and strength that comes from heaven. And you will have the knowledge of God's will for your life. And that will give you courage and strength that you've never had before. Amen. The Lord is strong and powerful and mighty. And he lives in you. He lives in you. He is a strong God and he lives in you. And he gives you strength. He doesn't look at how old you are. He doesn't look at where you came from. He looks at, what are you doing today for me? Seek me, know me, trust me, and I will change you and conform you, and you will be strong in me. Hallelujah. We trust God. He is a strong and mighty God. And he wants his church strong. And you and I will be strong. You want a word of encouragement? I may not have it. Yeah, but let me tell you something. If you're in this room and you want to see strength, look at this man right here, Pastor Al, strong physically, spiritually. He is a true mentor. He is a man of God that has been through many things. But look at the strength of that man. If, three, four months ago, now look at him today. Strong. He will not quit. He will not give up. Amen. That's what God says to us spiritually. You continue. Do what's right. Be disciplined. Continue with the effort in the spirit. And you will be the person God created you to be. Father, right now, we thank you for all you're doing in our lives. Strengthen us, church. Strengthen this church, Lord. Strengthen the members of this church, Father. Strengthen our leadership. Strengthen us, Lord. Quicken us. Quicken us in our inner man. And show us your will. Show us what you want us to do on this earth. 
Lead us and guide us, Lord, by your Spirit. And may we do the will of the Father and delight to do the will of the Father and the will of the Father only. Have your way. Have your way in us. Have your way through us. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, You are strong in the Lord. Amen. Strong in the Lord. Go in God's grace. If you need prayer for anything, hallelujah, we will pray with you. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.